The following message is a presentation of Valley Metro Church, a community of believers dedicated to knowing God and making Him known. And if all of us, you know, could look a little further down the road at our lives, you know, at the end of our life looking back, you want to leave this world with a big smile on your face. You want to be able to look in the rearview mirror of life and say, I went for it, I went after it, I lined my will up with God's, I've got no regret, this is awesome. That's the way you want to live this life and go into the next one. But many people are very uh, focused on the immediate and immediate gratification and miss out on what vision is all about. And we started a series with a guy who was chasing success, but he found out he was completely wrong. What he thought was successful wasn't success at all. We talked about looking through the, the, the lens of God's word to see what success really is. We talked about the dreams that God puts in our heart because some of you, and I've heard from some of you, God has already placed a dream on your heart, what you sense you're called to do in life, what your life mission and purpose is. And it's amazing if you have that sense. Others don't exactly know what that is. Some are beginning to figure it out now. Some have a great idea. Some have no idea. And today, we're talking about no matter where you're at with understanding your calling, understanding life purpose, understanding mission, no matter where you're at, today, we're talking about where to start. Because no matter what, we have to start. Amen? No matter, if you, if you don't know, you still have to start. And today we're going to look at a couple of key things on uh, a kind of quick overview on some scriptures that show how God gets people started. Um, it's been said that the, long, the hardest step on a long journey is the first one. The hardest step is the first one. And a lot of people are reluctant to take that first one. They either don't know how to take it or don't want to take it or not sure about taking it. And we're going to look at today how God mobilizes people into beginning to take their first step and then what he does from there. How many of you know this entire journey is by faith? This journey is not by proof, family. (laughs) It's not by proof. It's by faith. Amen? It started by faith. It will continue by faith. It'll always be by faith. And so the steps that you take and you even start by faith, but we're going to be looking at a couple of uh, different passages today, but I am convinced God has amazing plans for your life, and maybe you already have started uh, on literally engaging, I'm not talking about living life and believing in God, that's wonderful, I'm talking about literally entering into the defined things that he has for you, the works the Bible says, the works that God created for you specifically from the foundations of the world. God says he has distinction for you, very distinct things for you and I. And so it's exciting uh, looking into this. I want to start with the story of this first guy, and I want to set it up this way. Uh, There was a man, and he was a convicted felon. Uh, He was a convicted felon, and he fled his country, and he was out living in desolation. Uh, This man had no aim for his life. He had no goals that we are aware of. Uh, If you were fleeing from a a conviction and a felony from a foreign land, you probably wouldn't have a lot of plans either. This guy was off the radar. He was living low. This gentleman's name was Moses. And Moses, one day, God called Moses. And he called Moses into the journey of a lifetime. Now, that sounds amazing. If you and me were like Moses and we were the convicted felon and we're living on the backside of a mountain in the desert... um, And God called us into greatness, into some profound thing. That would sound absolutely amazing. Typically it would. However, Moses, like many, had every excuse in the book. 
He's a convicted felon. He ran for his life. He's living in the desert on the back of a mountain with no future, no hope. God calls him into greatness, and yet Moses has every excuse in the book. He has excuses why he could not do what God is asking him to do, and he's actually trying to talk God out of God's plan, and he's actually explaining to God where God absolutely has picked the wrong guy. Now, let me say it. When God's trying to call you into greatness, you don't want to tell God he's wrong, and you don't want to tell him he's got the wrong guy or the wrong gal. So this is what's going on. So Moses has every single excuse in the book, and here's where you got to begin on your journey, guys. Just like Moses. Only when you are through with your excuses will you be able to take that first step. Only when you're through with all your excuses will you be able to take that first step. And if there's only thing, one thing you get today, please get this. It's our first point, by the way. Your journey begins when you're finally out of excuses. And this is important because some people spend more effort on their excuses than they do on their plan. Some people spend more on their excuses than trying to understand, God, what did you make me for and what do you want me to do? Some people spend so much time on excuses that they never ever get to take a first step because they're loaded down with excuses and create new. Some build so many excuses, they carry all those excuses with them right to the grave. Excuses. You know what they say about excuses? Excuses are like armpits. Everyone has them and they all stink. Um, you know, but excuses, excuses, you know, you got to come to terms with your excuses. When you look at the nature of God, he doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. Do you know that? He equips people. People like Gideon, like Gideon, you're going to be a soldier. Gideon's like, oh, I'm this little dude from a little tribe. I'm nobody. You got the wrong guy. God's like, no, I've got the right guy. It's by faith. Get rid of your excuses and follow me. And all of a sudden, monumental things begin. And, and this has been God's uh, interaction, engagement with humanity all along. You look at the history of Israel. You look what God does. He uses the least likely. Why? Because listen, God's power is made perfect in weakness. God's power is made perfect in weakness. God can do more things through people who don't feel capable and qualified. God says that's some really good clay. I'm going to work with that. It's the people that think they have it all together. God's like, he's got a lot of work to do with people like that. Um, the point is this, your journey begins when you are finally out of excuses. And so Moses tried every excuse in the book, literally with God. And we're not going to unpack all of them. I'm just going to read one. We're going to look at some other scriptures about all the things that God placed in you so that you can begin to start now on, on where to start. Um, but Moses, here's some of his excuses. I'm just going to summarize them and you can read these. Uh, in in um, Exodus chapter 4, we're going to look at verse 1 in Exodus chapter 4. But leading up to this, he's got every excuse. And this is engaging God directly. This isn't the principle of reading the Bible or hearing a sermon and coming up with an excuse. This is encountering God directly, called out of darkness, into a great plan, into a great future, and still making excuses directly with God. If Moses can do it, we can do it too. I think many of us do. I think we need to come to terms. Again, if there's only thing, one thing you get out of today's sermon, out of today's message, is come to terms with your excuses. Come to terms with your excuses. Do you have them? What are they? Write them down. And then when you write them down, say, God, are these good excuses or not? And he would probably tell you, nope, I didn't say that. Nope, I didn't say that. 
nope, I didn't say that. Nope, I didn't say that. But we have all these excuses. And God's like, your excuses are getting in the way of your calling. Moses is 80 years old at this point. He's got a lot of reasons to think that he's not the guy to go do what God wants him to do. Guy's 80 years old. He's living in Egypt for 40 years. He's in the back of the desert for 40 years. And now God's about to call him into something monumental. He's got every valid reason to think so, except for he's having an encounter with the living God. And the living God is calling him into greatness. And he's making excuses, trying to excuse his way out of it. Here's some of his excuses. He says, I don't have the right title or position. And I'm paraphrasing, but you could read the detail. He's like, I'm, I'm not the rank in the file to do this. Who am I? I'm not like, you know, the prime minister. They would listen to me maybe, but I'm just some dude on the back of a mountain who was a fugitive. They're not going to listen to me. I don't have the, the rank or the file, the position for this. Another thing he says when he talks to the people, he's like, I don't have the, the theology or the ministry training when they ask about God. What am I going to say? I'm not like some theologian. I can't explain you or who you are to Israel. I'm not... They're not going to listen to me, God. He's like, I don't, I don't have the theology and the ministry training to get started into this calling that you're calling me into. Another thing he says is, I don't have the speaking ability. So many people are worried about speaking when actually Jesus promises, don't worry about speaking. For those of you who are worried about speaking, Jesus says, don't worry. In the time to speak, my spirit will speak through you. That's a promise. That's a promise that you're not going alone. When you go to represent, you're not going alone. Jesus said, my spirit will show you what to say. You don't have to worry about that. And so he's got so many excuses, and some of us may have some too, but it's time to deal with them. If you want to get started in this new decade, getting on track with God, lining your vision up with God's, walking in the things that God would say is successful, the things you were made for, the things you were called to, it begins when we come to terms with our excuses. Our whole journey starts there when we're finally out of excuses. So when Moses is virtually done with his excuses, he's like fumbling over his last excuse, and God's like, okay, are you ready? Now, this is where you begin. God tells him how to get started. And this is what it says in Exodus chapter 4, verse 1, up here. Moses answered, what if they don't believe me or listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you? And this is about the 20th excuse the Lord just heard from Moses. God's just shaking his head going. And I think God shakes his head with us with all these excuses like, I love you, but God's like, you don't see what I see, and you don't know what I know, and you don't know what I can do through you. And we keep making up these little excuses that God's like, are you serious? Like, you're going to miss out on your calling because of that little lame excuse? Um, It doesn't take faith to have excuses. Do you realize that? It takes no faith at all to have an excuse. But faith looks at the excuse and says, you know what? That's not God. I might feel that way and I might think that way, but this isn't going to stop me. Amen? You put the uh, excuse down and walk in faith. And this is what God tells him. Uh, God is telling him, uh, the Lord didn't appear to you. Then the Lord said to him, again, he's out of excuses now, what is in your hand? Would you repeat that with me? What is in your hand? One more time, nice and loud. What? This is where Moses is going to begin. This is where the fugitive on the back of the mountain, 80 years old, who's got no hope, no future, no dream that we're aware of. He doesn't say, I was planning on doing this when God interrupted my life. He's got nothing. He's out there, you know, watching some sheep on the back of some hill. And God's calling him into greatness. And he's making all kinds of excuses. And this is where it begins. When he's out of excuses, the very second step is start with what's already in your hand. 
This might sound simple, but the power of God is in this. God is sovereign. There's some intentionality with God, specifically with the things that are already in, in your hand. God is telling us the same thing. Start with what's already in your hand. Some of us, the excuses that we have to get started with God, the excuses. Well, you know, right now, this time of my life is really busy. I don't really have the time right now. I don't have the bandwidth for this right now. Um, you know, someday, you know, if I, uh, if, I, if I make enough money or this happens, then maybe then, that's when, like, I'm going to do something cool for God. That, it's, it's always then. Or if I was resourced this way, or if I, maybe this. And we have all these reasons why we don't step into calling and we don't step into purpose and we're not walking in the success that God has right in front of us because we've got a bunch of excuses and some of them have to do with resources, and that's understandable because we want resources, right? If, if you were going to start something, you'd be like, well, great. We'd like this really great building, and we'd like to have a team of people, and then we'd set it up this way, and then we'd open it to the community. Well, that's, that sounds wonderful. It sounds amazing. But can I tell you, that's not the way God's been doing it for 2,000 years. The way God's been doing it 2,000 years is people walking in faith and getting rid of their excuses. And in this case here, it often starts with, start with what's already in your hands, so whatever you do, you, say, you might say, well, what, what do you mean what's in my hands? The only thing I got is like a tractor. Okay, make money with your tractor, but also use your tractor for the glory of God, right? Well, I do, all I do is like manicures. Great, make money with your manicures, but do manicures for the glory of God. Does this make sense? What is in your hands? This is where calling begins. It's not like, well, no, this is my job on the side and I wouldn't do that for God, but someday if he gave me money, then maybe I, no, these are all the excuses that we typically come up with. We all have excuses, guys, and I'm just telling you, this is where things begin with God. The monumental journey begins when we get rid of our own excuses. We can't start until we do, and we start with what's already uh, in your hand. That could be anything. You're like, well, all I do is I'm like an accountant. What am I going to do? Okay, make money with your accounting and do it for the glory of God. Start there. Huh. You think you can help people with your accounting? Well, I never really thought of it. I could if I was selfless about it. Good. Then make God smile by serving God and his people. And step. Does this make sense? It's, it's the simple things right in front of us, right in front of us. Not some grandiose thing way out there that's unattainable. God is calling us into things based on what's in our hand. Now, here's another story. Um, there was this boy, and he always walked around with a slingshot, um, and his songs, he loved songs, singing all the time. And of course, a boy walking around with a slingshot, he had one of those mothers that said, put that thing down, you're gonna take somebody's eye out with that thing, right? Because all moms say that, right? And boys, have you ever seen anybody's eye getting taken out with a slingshot? It doesn't happen. It's like, get off that wall, you're gonna break your neck, right? No one's neck got broken, right? I don't know anybody whose neck got broken. But this boy's walking around with a slingshot all the time. Walking around with a slingshot, walking around with his songs. Practicing, aiming, hitting the things all the time. Just taking stuff out and singing and singing. This is his life. This is what he loves to do. He's a young kid. It's great. And one day, he's delivering bread to some soldiers. It was kind of like the first Uber Eats of 800 BC, right? Uber Eats, you know, he's like, the guy's like, can you get me some falafels down in Jericho? Sure, I'll be right back. He goes and gets them and brings them. So something like that's going on. Nothing new under the sun, right? So he goes and gets his bread. And he brings it up for delivery. And when he brings it to the soldiers, he can't ignore the fact that there's a soldier on the other side, some big dude, 
who's yelling out all kinds of mean stuff about God's people. Just mean stuff, nasty stuff, just like rubbing it in the ground, just diminishing and demoralizing the people of God. And all of Israel's soldiers had a whole lot of excuses on why they can't do anything about this. All of them, they all had an excuse. He's too big, I'm not big enough, he's too strong, what are we going to do? A bunch of of excuses. They might have sounded like good excuses. But the difference is this little boy who was David, he didn't have any excuses. He was done with his excuses. He wasn't going to make up an excuse. In fact, he looked at it completely the other way. He looked, who is this dude who's defying the armies of God? Why would you guys allow this? This little dude, why would you soldiers allow this to happen and all you have is excuses? So what does David do? David's out of excuses and he starts with what's in his what? He starts with what's in his hand because this is where we called into greatness. And he's like, I ain't got much of nothing. I got five stones and a slingshot. That's all I got. This other guy's got armor and everything. Like, here goes. It's me against you, or better yet, it's my God against you. Do you see how God's power is made perfect in weakness? Do you see how this plays out in the Bible? God's power made perfect in weakness. And so David's like, here we go. And David understands a couple of really key things. The third, th- third point this morning is you've got to remember how big your God is, and then you take action. Don't re- think about how big your problem is. You've you got to remember how big your God is. When you remember how big your God is, the problem starts to shrink, no matter how big your problem is. And I'm not saying we don't have problems, guys. We all have problems in life. They're, they're real, okay? And they're not fun. And we're trying to find ways to get around them and get through them. But it's not about the size of your problem. It's about the size of your God. And faith says, my God is ginormous. That's what faith says. Real faith says, my God is ginormous. And it doesn't let these excuses get in the way. Even though you have a really, really, really big problem, it might seem really, really big until you realize just how big your God is and then the problem shrinks in comparison. Isn't that right? It's almost like when you put a light on and somebody, you know, you could see a little kid walking down the street and they look like a giant, you know, because the light is behind them and they look, you know, ginormous. But, but when, when the light shines the right way, it puts everything right in perspective. And God does the same with the problems in our, in our lives. So remember how big your God is and then take action. So excuses again, the journey doesn't begin. How do we begin? We got to be done with our excuses. The next thing is we got to start with what's in our hand. God puts some stuff in our hands. It's, it's right in front of us. It's not out there, a hope and a dream or a provision. You got something for the glory of God. You have something. You're like, all I have is a hammer and a screw gun. That's great. Start using that, make money, but use it for the glory of God, whatever it is. I'm an artist. I'm a this. I film. I, oh, great. You know, make a living with, use it for the glory of God. doesn't matter what it is. Use what's in your hand. And you got to remember, no matter what you encounter, including the giants, that you got to remember how big your God is and then take action. We've said it before, but I'll say it again. If there are no giants in your land, you may be in the wrong land, right? That was Israel. God's calling them into the land and like, oh, snap, there's giants in that land. Okay, you're in the right land. Go ahead, go for it. You know, because we serve a really, really big God. First Peter 1.13 says, prepare your mind for action. Not passivity or check out or make excuses. Prepare your mind for action. God's like, step into this thing. Get rid of your excuses. What's in your hand? Remember how big your God is. And get ready for some kind of action. Uh, David's hardest step on his long journey, 
began right there that day, doing a little Uber Eats delivery. <laughs> he just shows up on a camel with some bread, some falafel for delivery. And he's like, oh, look at this. Wow, what am I going to do? Am I going to make an excuse or am I going to step into it? This is, here, this is what's in my hand. This is a big problem, but I got a bigger God. And here goes. And he steps into it. And the rest is history. Moses almost excused his way out of history. Do you realize that? He almost tried to explain his way out of history. We wouldn't be reading about him today. He's making every excuse in the book. Who knows? Maybe when he got to excuse number 30, God's like, you know what? I tried. And and maybe he would have raised somebody else. I don't know what God would have done. But the point is, God tried to explain away every excuse Moses had until he finally was able to step into history. It's been said that the greatest day in your life is the day you accept Christ. And I would agree with that. Because the day you accept Christ is the day you step into eternity, you step into promise, relationship with God, purpose, design, eternity, all the above, forgiveness, profound, into his family. The greatest day in your life is the day you accept Christ. If you haven't done that, then I encourage you today, make that your day, because this could be the greatest day in your life. You can leave here without an excuse and not miss out on the greatest day of your life. Very, very important. The second greatest day of your life is when you discover what you were made for, what you were made for. When you begin to understand, I think this is what God wants me to do. Remember, he created things before the foundation of the world for each one of you. That's a scriptural promise. God has design. We're trying to figure it out and walk in it. Yes, it's living a life where we love God and love others, right? Yes, it's that. And to share faith, yes, that's universal to all of us. But there's also distinction that he's calling you into. There's distinction that he's calling me into. And we're all trying to figure out, well, what is it? I'm trying to, some of us know, some of us don't know, some of us are figuring it out. No matter what it is, the second greatest day in your life is when you discover, wow, you're really doing this. I remember being over in Israel. Um, I was in the garden tomb one day. Uh, I had a few trips over there, but one time it was really profound. I'm sitting outside the the garden tomb, and uh, I was sitting there quiet, alone, and just really praying. And... uh, I really felt the Lord saying, I am anointing, I'm anointing you to preach and to teach. And I'm like, me? Not me. You know, not somebody else, not me. And the Lord's like, but I, heard, I was like hearing his voice in a still, small voice. How many of you know he speaks in a still, small voice? So don't expect some echo boom. The promise is there will be a voice behind you saying, this is the way to go, walk in it. This is the way to go, walk in it. So a still, small voice guiding the voice of the Spirit to comfort, to guide, to counsel. This is the promise of God. And I sensed it in that day, and I'm like, oh, man, I would have made more excuses, but I can sense the presence of God in that garden tomb in Israel where Jesus rose from the dead. They believe it to be the accurate location for a lot of good historical reasons. It likely is the place that Jesus conquered death in that place. And we were inside the tomb for a while, and as I'm sitting outside on a little uh, a bench, I'm just sitting there meditating and praying on the magnitude of what happened there. I, already, I sense God's voice, and I'm like, okay, here goes. And I got a lot of reasons why I wouldn't be the guy to do this either. And I could have started making a bunch of excuses, but I'm like, I know I heard him. This wasn't just some random idea. I'm like, okay, I got to step into this thing. Here goes. I got to train up and pray up and you know, preach up and testify and correctly divide the word of truth and hopefully give life through what God has to say because that's what my aim is in life, to give him glory and include more and more people into his family. That's... That's, that's an aim for me in my life. Um, so remember how big your God is and take action. But the second greatest day in your life is when you 
realize what you were made for. The Olympic run- runner, um, Eric Little, he ran in the Olympics, he said, I believe God made me for a purpose, but he also made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. Profound story. If you haven't seen the movie Chariots of Fire, it's an older one, but you should see it. Because this guy is fast, but he's got some convictions and he wanted to be a missionary. He's like, what do I do? I want to be a missionary. I thought I was supposed to be a missionary, but God just made me fast. What do I do with that? Do I walk away from fast and go in the mission field? And a lot of people would say, yes, fast is secular. Don't do it. Go to the mission field. But he's like, but what do I do? God made me fast. And God's saying, use what's in your hands, right? And Eric Little's like, I thought I would go to the mission field, but God made me crazy fast. What do I do? Well, if God made me crazy fast, I'm going to run for his glory. I'm going to run for his glory. And when I win, I'm going to point to him, and I'm going to use my platform and my gold medal to point. Does that make sense? He did what was in front of him, and he did it for for God's glory. Really cool story. Um, So there's there's a couple of scriptures that we're going to be looking at. Um, In 1 Corinthians 12, if you have your Bible, you can turn there. Uh, And and we've gone through some of these before in the past, but today I want to summarize on a couple of key things uh, in Scripture that have to do with what God has placed inside of you. Because for you and I to better know our calling, for you and I to better understand what God made us for, for you and I to better know where to start, how to start, and how to get moving in these things, we have to start by looking at what God specifically placed inside of us, inside of us. It would be referred to as maybe raw materials. The way the world looks at these things, it would look at raw materials. Uh, Raw materials are are critical to anything that you're going to build. For example, if all you had is is a forest, uh, you would have have trees. That's your raw materials. That's all you got to work with. But you might have a lot of excuses on, what can I do? I got trees. But if you really look at your raw material, you'd say, wait, I have trees so I can make lumber, so now I can build houses, right? So now you're building houses with the raw materials that God gave you. Maybe you have iron ore. You got dirt in the, background, in, in the backyard or some field and it's loaded with iron ore. With that iron ore, you can make steel beams. And with the steel beams, you can build high rises. But you have to recognize what your raw materials are or there won't be any high rises in your life. You have to know what your raw materials are or there won't be any houses built in your life. You've got to understand what the raw materials are. And it's the same with you and I. God has placed raw materials in your life and in mine. He has put these raw materials. And if you want to know where to begin and how to get started, you've got to look at your raw materials because they're not in your life by accident. They're in your life by sovereign design. God has placed raw materials uh, in your life. And like Moses, God wants you to start with what's in your hand. The question about what these raw materials is, have you identified them, number one? If you're taking notes, write that down. But have you identified your raw materials? Maybe you have. Maybe you've camped out on this topic for quite a while. Maybe you've really come to terms. Maybe you haven't. But if you haven't, now is the time. Identify your raw materials. Say you're athletic and you know that, are you this and that? Well, okay, that's a raw material, are you using that? And you might go, well, how am I supposed to use that for God? You push it aside, oh, be careful, that's a raw material. Bring that right to the front. God gave you that raw material. Are you using the raw material? Um, 
Have you identified them? Are you using them or are you ignoring them? Because that's another thing we do, just like making excuses why, we can also just try to ignore. We want to make an excuse, we'll just push it out of the way and just pretend it's not even there so we don't have to have an excuse. We'll just push it on the side and just push it out of the way. Many people do that. In fact, you probably know some profoundly talented people in your life who are not using any of their gifts. They're not using their raw materials and it's a shame. Uh, Some people make excuses about them Other people just fail to recognize them or they excuse them and put them to the side. But it's interesting how everyone around them can say, wow, you have such an amazing gift. You have such an amazing talent. You have such great raw materials. And the person who has them doesn't even believe that. They either ignore it or they make excuses about it. But God sovereignly put raw materials in your life. And the raw materials I'm referring to specifically that we're going to look at briefly right now, just quickly, is your spiritual gifts and your natural talents. Your spiritual gifts and your natural talents. God put these raw materials in your life. And it is so important to come to terms with these raw materials in your life. A couple of other things you uniquely have in your life. You, you, you have some unique experiences in your life. And I would also say even those experiences, God wants to use those too. This would be in the pile as well. If you put everything in the pile in front of you, stop putting it to the side or excusing or if you put everything in the pile in front of you, if you put everything on your desktop or your tabletop, put it all right in front of you, you can't ignore it. You put all your gifts and your spiritual gifts and your natural talents and your experiences, that would be one of them. Part of that would be your resources, what God's given you capacity or access to, whatever that is, you put it all on the table and you go, wow. And God's saying, yep, (laughs) use what's in your hand. And a lot of us are like, you know, we'll either ignore part of these or make excuses. But I'm telling you guys, this is critical. This is monumental to be, we could be like Moses making excuses our whole life, or we can step into purpose and destiny when we're done with our excuses, when we use what's in front of us, we use what's in our hands. Um, And so 1 Corinthians 12, I just want to read a couple of these verses. Uh, Again, read these later. And, you know, we did a message on this in, in extreme detail on these gifts and we did extreme details on, on, on natural talents as well. But today I just want to summarize this so we all can understand where to get started. Uh, it says this about spiritual gifts, 1 Corinthians 12.1. Now, about spiritual gifts, brothers, I do, no, I do not want you to be ignorant. Everyone say, don't be ignorant. God is saying, don't ignore them any longer. Don't ignore them. It's funny when you talk about spiritual gifts in Christianity, some love them and run with these and uh, explore these and celebrate these and other people don't want to talk about them and put them away. The the pendulum swings when it comes to spiritual gifts, uh, but I would encourage you that spiritual gifts are uh, from God, it's saying, and we're not to ignore them. That means we got to be on notice and be aware of what they are. That means we need to try to understand what they are or at least discover the ones we have. God gave spiritual gifts, you've got to discover and come to terms with them and use them uh, in your life. So the fourth point this morning is God is telling me to stop ignoring my spiritual gifts. If, you know, Moses made a bunch of excuses, but some people just ignore and don't even make any, they just ignore it. And God is saying, don't ignore your spiritual gifts. This is really, really important. Spiritual gifts are so powerful Uh, And when they're done the right way, not in some crazy, you know, display of look at me kind of thing. And Paul talks to the Corinthians in the same context in Corinthians 12. He never says to stop using spiritual gifts. 
He just says, use them in order, be respectful, make sure God gets the honor and not people, and don't be all crazy and out of order and stuff like that, but use them. And he's encouraging them, use them. And, and so the point about spiritual gifts is when they are done in order, God smiles and people get very blessed. Uh, so discover them, come to terms with them, and use them. That's really, really important. It moves on in verse 7 and says this key thing about your spiritual gift. Uh, it says, now, uh, to each one, to each one, each one of us, each one of us believers, now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. He's talking about the spiritual gifts. They're spiritual because they're from the Holy Spirit. And the, the, the gift you have is, in fact, a manifestation of the Holy Spirit in your life. If you said yes to Jesus, if you're a Christ follower, then the Spirit of God is in you. And if the Spirit of God is in you, there's a manifestation of the Spirit inside you, residing in you for some sort of display. Part of that is your spiritual gift, the display of what God's giftedness in you spiritually uh, is, wants to do and what, what he wants to come out of you. So it's saying here that every believer has at least one. Everyone say at least one. Every believer has at least one spiritual gift. God is saying that the purpose for this, it says for the common good. Say common good. This is important because when we think about gifts and talents, sometimes we think, what can I do with all my stuff to get to there? Because I want to get all my stuff together and, and I want to get to there. Be careful. The first guy we looked at in the series was going, I'm going to take all my plans and get to there. And, and, and God's like, yeah, you're totally missing out on success, sir. That's actually not success. Success is this way. Um, and, and so but these spiritual gifts are for the common good. This is really, really important because some translations refer to this, they use some different language, but it all means the same thing. The spiritual gift in you is for the common good. Um, some, one translation says it's for the mutual edification. Mutual meaning all of us. Edification means to build up. My spiritual gift is to build you guys up. Your spiritual gift is to build up the people around you in your community, your family, your circle, and this church. That's what these gifts are for, mutual edification, for the common good. New Living Translation says that your spiritual gift is so that we can help each other. So hopefully today my gift is helping you. If it is, the spiritual gift is coming out and is doing what it's supposed to be. Um, if it's not, you can get your money back at the end of the service if the gift is not. All right? So uh, the, the point is, um, th this is what spiritual gifts are supposed to do. Common good, mutual edification. Um, you know, I, I, one of these I think of, Rosemary is, a, is a, an amazing intercessor. She prays. It's the spiritual gift of intercessory prayer. It's like everyone's called to pray, but she has this burden, and it's a mandate, and it's a God-given thing. God put it in her, and that's why whenever there's a prayer thing, she's the first one there. Back before the service in the back with our prayer team, up here to pray for people. When we have prayer night, she's there. Just because she gets it. And, and I've seen her do this again and again selflessly, praying for people when they're going through really critical times of their life. And she's one of the first ones to come up and want to pray for them. That is more uh, profound and more powerful than you know because she has a gift and she wants to use it for the common good. Does that make sense? That's exactly what it's about. That's exactly what it's about. For the common good, for the mutual edification, so we can help each other. But God wants you to begin with these raw materials that are in you. And these raw materials, it's your job to discover and to use them and use your gifts to help others. 
And that's what the kingdom of God is really all about. In fact, <clears throat> Jesus uh, describes what this is like for God's people in Matthew 25. If you guys want to turn there, this is our last passage. Jesus is explaining what is it like <clears throat> for the people of God? What is it like for the children of God? What, what, is, what is expected? How do we live? What are we aiming at? What matters most? And Jesus keeps on explaining, well, the kingdom of God, it's like this. This is the way it rolls out. This is the way it's supposed to be engaged. This is the way we handle ourselves. This is the way we, um, we walk by faith. Everything he's saying about the kingdom of God has to do with the realm of God for the people of God that come under God's uh, love and protection and provision. And this is the realm of God's people. And so in that realm, which I would say is everyone here, if you came to God's house this morning, you have an honor and respect for God and his kingdom, and you've come to this representation of his kingdom right here in this room today. And part of that, Jesus is saying, this is what it looks like. This is, this is how, it, how we engage the kingdom, and this is uh, expectations, and this is the blessings, and this is the protection, and the provisions, and the, the, the way it works. And so he is talking here, Jesus is, and he's talking about not just the spiritual gifts, he's talking about our natural, natural talents. Natural talents. Because God's given you natural talents as well. If you're good at sports, you're looking at the list of spiritual gifts in the Bible, and you're like, well, mine's not on there. Well, you have a spiritual gift somewhere, because the Bible says you do, but you also have natural talents. Uh, and so Jesus is talking about these <clears throat> talents and abilities, and the context that he shares this, the Bible uses the word talents, there's sums of money in this passage, so we would all understand that God has given you something, he's given me something, he's given everyone in this room something, various amounts of talent that he wants us to do something with and engage with. And these are the raw materials that God gave you and me, and we need to come to terms with what they are and where they're from and what they're to be used for, and that's the only way we'll be successful. So it says this in verse 14, Jesus says this, again, talking about the kingdom of God, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents of money, to another two talents, and to another one talent, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received the five talents went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. So also the one with the two talents gained two more. But the man who had received the one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. We're going to unpack this, but I just want to do the flyby view, the overview of, of what this means, just to summarize. This was one of my favorite passages in the Bible. I, I think I, when I just started reading the Bible, this one stood out to me as like, I, I think I get this. I think I get this one, and I understand what God's trying to say here pretty clearly. The property owner. Every time you read a king, about the kingdom of God in a parable, all the parables are about the kingdom of God, you have to ask yourself, which one am I? Do I get it? Do I see? Because we're all in the story somewhere. Like either the perspective or the person in it or the one watching or the reaction. or the, Do I get how the kingdom of God works? We should because Jesus is saying over and over again, the kingdom is like this, the kingdom is like this. All the parables talk about God's realm, God's economy, and we have to get a, get a grasp on it to understand how we walk as believers. So the property owner is simply God. Who owns it? God, God owns the talents, right? So he gives out talents to his servants. Who are the servants? We are. So they're his talents, 
He's God. He's property owner. Gives his talents to you and I. We're the servants. That's an important word there. Take note of that word. And that means God is the master owner and we are the servants. And it applies that the talents, listen, the talents are not self-serving. You realize that? If God is the master, the property owner, and he entrusts his talents to his quote-unquote servants, that the talents are not self-serving. They're entrusted to us by God. So we have to come to terms with, okay, God, these are yours and they're given to me, they're lent to me, and these talents are for some, really for serving God. Again, if God gave you some profound talent, say he's made you amazing at sales, sales, or he's made amazing, amazing at business strategies, great, you make money with that, but you honor God with that. Does that make sense? Whatever that might be, you, you do you know, what, what, what your hand finds to do, do it with all your might for the glory of God, and, and you honor God with the gifts and talents because they're from uh, him. So they're for serving God. Now these talents are skills, they're resources that you have, they are capacities that you have in your life. Some of you have certain capacities to do things that not everybody has. These are your talents, your abilities, your natural gifts. Uh, and when you think about these, if you want to know what they are, simply write a list of what are you good at. And sometimes you need to ask somebody next to you or somebody you know, what am I good at? Because sometimes we discount things. So many people are so good. Like you hear somebody get up and play something great on the piano and you go, you're good. And you're like, eh, no, I'm not. And you're like, are you kidding? You're like, really good. So sometimes people don't even know what they're really good at because they excuse it or they ignore it. And we can no longer excuse or ignore the raw materials in our life. Do you guys understand that today? We can no longer excuse or ignore the raw materials in our life. It's time to fully come to terms with all the raw materials that God placed in you because he's about to do something. You were made for such a time as this. This is not a time to start ignoring or excuses the raw materials. It's time for the raw materials, for the excuses to go away, for the raw materials to be in front of you and say, God, you got my attention. No more excuses. I'm done with excuses. As, as that one uh, prayer says, I am through and done with low living, sight walking, smooth knees, colorless dreams, tamed visions, dwarfed goals. God, I'm stepping into this. I am done with that stuff, God. I am stepping in. I'm done with excuses. And you recognize your raw materials. And like Moses, you start what's in, within your hand and you come to terms with what's in your hand. And what's in your hand are your spiritual gifts and your natural talents that God gave you. That's what's in your hand. Like David encountering this giant when he's delivering food and this guy is some big crazy like monster and everyone on Israel's side's full of excuses and David's like, you know what? It's not how big my problem is, it's how big my God is and I'm just gonna, I'm out of excuses and I'm gonna start with what's in my hand. And I don't got a lot, but God says this is all I need to get started, amen? So you step into it with what you have and the rest is history and this is how we start walking with God in the things that he made us for. So this says that these talents are entrusted to you. And this is an important concept because this is what many people in life forget. Everything that you have, listen, is on loan to you. It's on loan to you. Now, you know, we don't always think that way. We think, you know, my this and my that and my that and my house or my car or my condo, my apartment, my job, my talent. We think of it that way. And this is a very common use of the phrase when we talk about your talents and gifting and resources. But the Bible is saying the earth is the Lord's and everything in it and everything we have is entrusted to us. And when you understand that, it does become a game changer. I remember when I like, 
I had to really struggle with that. I'm like, if that's true, it is a game changer. And I don't know if I'm ready for that reality. I had to go home and chew on that. I heard that on, in church. I was a believer for a couple of years. And I heard that. And I'm like, hmm, is that true? And if it really is, it's going to cause a shift in my life. But I don't know if I'm ready for that. And I had to come to terms with, yes, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Everything's been entrusted to me. And it's, it tells us that it's entrusted on loan because God has an expectation of what we do with his stuff. This is the way it works out. It's his stuff. And the talents were given in the story, each according to everyone's ability, which means no excuses. God says, Janine, you're capable of this. Bam. Christy, you're capable of this. Boom. Bruno, you're capable of that. Dude, whatever. You're capable of this. Tom, you're capable of this. Here's a couple for you. Joey, you get these four. You know, Jeremy, you're going to get these three. Whatever it happens to be, you know, Chris, you're getting these five over here. Boom. You're, You're capable. God's like, I know what you're able to do. I know I made you. I know you better than you know yourself. And I know how I gave these out on loan and trusted according to your ability. And that's an amazing concept because the focus here is obviously putting them to work. And the reason it's the focus, because he says at the end of this, he came back to see how everyone did. How did you do with what was entrusted to you? Meaning there's accountability because it doesn't belong to us. And two of them invested immediately. Everyone say immediately. Why? Because they had no excuses. You can't start your journey if you got a bunch of excuses. They're like, and they weren't ignorant. This is what he gave me whether it's five talents or three or two, it doesn't matter. This is what he gave me immediately. I'm, no excuses. I'm stepping into something. I'm going to find out what investment is. And I, I don't know how to invest them, but this seems like a good th- place to start. It's what's in my hands. It's the raw materials he gave me, spiritual gifts, natural abilities, talents. I don't know. He gave them to me. He's got an expectation with him. I'm stepping out by faith with what is in my hand right now, right in front of me. And that's what these guys do. Two of them invested immediately, immediately, at once. They did not procrastinate. No excuses. And they got rewarded heavily, by the way, for doing this. In fact, when God came back, who's the property owner, he's got a big old, big old smile and saying, well done. I don't know if you picture God smiling on you, literally smiling, beaming. But God's smiling on you, because this is the way the story ends up. The father smiling with a big old beaming thing and going, well done, well done, my good and faithful servant. Or Jesus say, well done, come and enter my master's happiness. He's happy with you, and I'm happy with you, and come and enter into this, because you understood what God gave you. It was on loan, and you stepped into it by faith with what was in your hands. Way to go, bravo. That's how you get started. That's where it begins. Whether you know the ultimate dream, whether you know the ultimate goal or not, honor God with what's in front of you. Start there. No excuses. Well done. They did it immediately. And then the one, whether it was excuses or whether he ignored it, he buried it. And it was off and ignored and forgotten about. And God's like, what did you do with what I gave you? Nothing. Nothing. Yeah. And we don't want to be in this place because this guy had dramatic consequences. God said the one he has, take it away from him because he's not using the stuff I gave him. So these ones get leveled up and multiplied and blessed and this guy gets his stuff taken away and we wonder why because he's not being a steward of what was given to him. The last point this morning is this, guys, is, is I have been entrusted and I am being tested. You have been entrusted and guess what? You are being tested. You might not know it, you might not remember this every day, but you and I are being tested 
with what the things that God entrusted. And I will give an account with my talents. You've been entrusted, you are being tested, and there will be an accounting. And that shouldn't come as a surprise, but when we forget about the kingdom of God and start just living our own life, we forget about these things. But when we look at how it really works, we go, okay, God, it's all from you. You put it in front of me. You want me to use, just like Moses, what's in my hands. You don't want to look at how big my problem is. You want me to understand how big my God is. You want me to be done with excuses so I can take my first step on that journey. Does that make sense? And I have to come to terms with all my raw materials, my spiritual gifts, my now. I got to come to terms with them and show me if I don't know, help other people, uh, let other people, friends in my life help me figure out and, and sh- remind me of what these are. Maybe I'm overlooking them. Maybe I am ignoring or maybe I am making excuses. Help me to get them all in front of me and go, wow, Lord, look at the inventory of what you've blessed me with. Now, this is what's in my hands. How do I start taking a step here? And this is where it really uh, begins. So uh, to me, this is motivation on how to get started. I hope it motivates you on how to get started, on how to start taking these steps with God, because this is stepping into purpose, guys. And I'm going to close in prayer, but I want to ask the worship team uh, to come up right now. But this is super important, guys, because too many people, too many people, even in the church, go through life with excuses. I I believe God. I believe you're, you're God, and I believe your son came for me. But when it comes to all this other stuff, oh, no, I'm not the one. I'm the littlest guy. I don't speak well. They're not going to believe me. How will I know? I'm not resourced. And, you know, Moses tried all of these things. Strike one, strike two, strike three, strike four. Strike. They don't work with God. Excuses don't work with God. We have to be done with the excuses. We have to be willing to put the excuses behind us. We can't start when we're loaded with excuses. And the next thing is start. God says, God says, what do you have in your hand? Because that's where you're starting. And a lot of us don't come to terms with what's in our hand. And there's a lot of things you can do. There's a lot of things you can do with what's in your hand. It's already in your gift mix right now. It's already in your asset list. It's already, it's part of your world. It's part of your realm. Again, sometimes we ignore them and discount them, but guess what? Don't discount them any longer. This stuff is in your life. God put it there. He put it there for a purpose. Come to terms with this stuff. And then God, what do you want me to do? It's in my hand. I'm done with excuses. I'm ready to take a step. Spiritual gifts are for the mutual edification. Bless the family of believers around you. That's what you do. If you're in a life group, you help people in your group, you use your gifts in church, in ministry, uh, whatever that is, you use these things. And then your natural talents, use those too. Well, all I know how to do is coach. Well, then coach for the glory of God, okay? When you coach, make sure God gets the glory. That's what you do. Oh, I could actually use hitting skills for God. Yeah, absolutely you can because other hitting skill coaches are not giving God the glory, but you can. Oh, okay. What about that? You're an account- again, you're an accountant. You're- whatever it is, leverage your talents for the glory of God, knowing we're going to be accountable, all these things. This is how you start stepping into purpose today. Not someday out there. Maybe when I get there, if I get resourced someday. God, if you bring me a building, you bring me a team, you bring me supplies someday after I've made it, God, then I'm going to do... No, those are the excuses. And like the man we learned in the first week of this vision series... He said he didn't know tomorrow his life was expected of him. He's like, oh, I thought I was on my way to something out there. No, it's right now. How many of you know the kingdom of God is right here right now? The kingdom of God is right here right now. And you are in it. The kingdom of heaven is not just when you get there. The kingdom of heaven is the realm of God. The day you say yes to Jesus, you are in it. And ultimately, you are still in it in heaven. It's not heaven when you get there. It's here and now. 
And everyone walking with Jesus was in the kingdom. And he's telling this is how we interact and engage the kingdom. Uh, maybe somebody today hasn't stepped into the kingdom yet. You're intrigued. You're open. You're interested. You respect it, but you haven't stepped in. I, I think today's the day you need to do that. You've got to start. Hardest step on the journey is your first step. And if you're in the kingdom, we've got to start walking like kingdom people and go, God, no more excuses. What are these things? What's in my hands? I'm ready to step into the things you've been entrusted me with. I want to be like young David saying, I don't got a lot, but I do have this. I'm done with my excuses. I'm going to step into it. I'm going to step into it right now. Done with excuses, Lord. What are my raw materials? I'm not going to ignore them, and I'm not going to excuse them anymore. That was yesterday, but that's not today going forward. And so uh, I want to encourage you. Let's close in prayer, and let's stand together if we could, please. Mighty God, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the power of your word. I pray this morning, God, for everybody here that you would help us come to terms with gifts and talents. Help us come to terms with what is in our hands because that's where the journey begins. Uh, Help us come to terms, God, with uh, uh, our excuses. There's so many excuses. We get very creative with our excuses. We make good logical reasons for that that we can explain to others and they would agree almost with the logic and the reason of our excuses. And yet you never called us to walk by logic. You called us to walk by faith. Even though our faith is very reasonable, you call us to walk by faith. So I pray today, God, that all, all of the excuses and all of the ignoring things, the ignorance would go away. I pray we put the raw materials in front of us. You would shine the light on our raw materials, spiritual gifts, natural abilities, and we would begin to start walking uh, in faith with the things you placed in front of us. We begin to give you glory with these things. We begin to step into a place of mutual edification, blessing other people, honoring you, making you smile, being good stewards with these things. God, let this be a marked day where we know it's all on loan from you and you're going to hold us accountable with the things you entrusted us. And I pray we, we, we're we the kind of stewards that make you smile, Father. Thank you for that, Lord. I also just want to pray, Lord, if there's any here today that have not actually took, taken the step committed step into the kingdom, which only can be done by a declaration of Jesus with everybody's eyes closed. If that's you, would you just raise your hand this morning? I want to pray with you. Anybody here this morning that needs to make that declaration uh, of stepping? Amen. Anybody else this morning that wants to make the declaration of stepping into the kingdom with King Jesus? Anybody else this morning? Amen. That's awesome. God's pleased with you. Awesome. Anybody else this morning? Today's the day and now is the time to step into the kingdom. Yeah, good, good stuff. So close your eyes, just say this in agreement in your, in, in your heart. Say, mighty God, I believe you sent Jesus to die on a cross of sins because we all have them. We all have them. Everybody with, with a pulse has sin. The difference is I want you to take mine away because only you can. No one else can and nothing else can. Only you can, Jesus. That's what you came for. I pray you take mine away today. I promise to turn and follow you. I'm not going to do it perfect because I'm fallible, but I want to try. I'm going to, if I fall, I'm getting up and I'm walking with you. I'm committing this day from this day forward to walk with you. Uh, I'm committing to walk away from the stuff I, that got, had me messed up. I'm walking with you and I pray from this day forward, help me put your spirit inside of me. Give me the strength and the power and the capacity to walk as a son or daughter of God. And Lord, show me how to know these gifts you put in me. Show me what purpose is about. From this day, uh, I am committed to your purposes and your ways, God. Do a new work in me. Thank you, and I receive it by faith in Jesus' name. And God's people said, Amen. Amen, Amen, guys. For those of you who prayed that prayer, our prayer team, what our prayer team. This has been a presentation of Valley Metro Church. To hear more messages, 
or to support future podcasts, please visit us at valleymetrochurch.com. 